Father, help us to see this blind spot in ourselves today. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Be seated. Be seated. You see, this blind spot we're going to talk about today, this blind spot can hold you down. This blind spot can keep you back. This blind spot will affect you physically. It will affect you emotionally. It will affect you spiritually. You say, well, how? How does this blind spot affect me spiritually? Well, first of all, it will not enable the fruit of the Holy Spirit to live through you. So if you have this blind spot, you won't be able to exemplify love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control to the world. You won't. If this is a blind spot in you, you will not be able to express God's love to other people as well as you could or should. If this is a blind spot within you, you will then limit God's ability to even deal with the issues in your life. That's spiritual, emotional. This blind spot is linked to loneliness. This blind spot is linked to chronic anxiety, to depression, sleeping disorders, and eating disorders. Physically, 13,000 people were surveyed and did did a survey with this topic this morning, which I haven't mentioned yet. And 13,000 people in this study, it was found that if you have this blind spot in your life, you have three times the risk of a heart attack. And the study concluded, the study concluded that if this is a part of you, this is more dangerous to your body than smoking and obesity. So what is this? What is this blind spot today? It is the blind spot of anger. So I started off with just this little picture, and you can see that anger is only one letter short of what? Of danger. So we're going to talk about how dangerous anger can be in your life. And we're going to look at a man by the name of Moses. And Moses today, he would be on a program called Snapped. Moses snapped at one point in his life. But you and I understand that, don't you? We understand what it's like to snap. Anybody in this room, snappers? Okay. Just recently, about a month ago, I was at our grocery store in our area. It was a Sunday afternoon, and I was in there, and I picked out like one item, and I'm getting ready to go through the checkout line. And it's, it's that 10 items or less, you know, the, the express line you go through. And so don't you hate it when somebody's got like 25 things in front of you, right? And they get in that express lane. So this lady in front of me, she's got like 25 things in her, in her basket. And she's in that express lane and she's pulling them out and she's putting them on the, on the uh, conveyor belt. And I don't say anything. I did think something. <laughs> but I didn't say anything. And she turns to me, and I didn't really look at her. She turns to me and she said, um, thank you for being so patient. I know I've got more than 10 items. I said, yeah, it's Sunday. No worries. All good. And then she turned to me and she said, I really liked your sermon this morning. <laughs> thank you, Jesus. Thank you. Oh, God. Snapped, baby. It was close. It was close. We all understand that. We know what that's like. She got me good on that one. It's one of the few times where I kept my mouth shut, okay? Moses is back at a place called Kadesh. And it was 37 years ago, Moses was at the exact same place, Kadesh Barnea. 
And it was at this very place 37 years ago that Moses spent, uh, sent 12 spies into the promised land. And you know the story. Ten come back and they said, you know, yeah, the land's great, but it's got giants in it. Caleb and Joshua said, we, we can take it. Remember the story? 37 years before our story today, they go out into the land. God says, you're going to take the land, but they come back and say, we can't do it. And so God's ticked. God's angry. And God said, all right, this generation is going to die out. You can't go into the promised land. The next generation will be able to go in. It's now 37 years later, and they're right back at the same place they were 37 years ago. Now, just push pause for a second, because sometimes in your life, for you to go forward, you got to go back to the same place that you were where you had pain and problems. Not always. Sometimes we need to leave all that stuff behind us. Sometimes we've got to go back to, why did I steal? Why did I lie? Why did I cheat? Why did I? Sometimes you got to go back. So here Moses is with now a new generation that's risen up. And here he is 37 years later, and his expectations are high. Because all these 37 years, he's been trying to pump up these two or three million people with how great the land's going to be how great God is. God's provided food. God's provided water. God's provided shelter. And so for 37 years, I think Moses is pumping up the people to tell them it's going to be great, 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 great. He gets to Kadesh and they rebel and he snaps. Look at our story in Numbers chapter 20. And in Numbers chapter 20, here's the story. Now, just remember, this is now the second time they've been at Kadesh. 37 years ago they were there. Now they're there again to go into the promised land. Here's what happens. In the first month, the whole Israelite community arrived at the desert of Zen, and they stayed at Kadesh. And there Miriam died. You remember Miriam? Who was Miriam? It was his sister. Miriam died and was buried. Verse 2. Now, there was no water for the community. And the people gathered in opposition to Moses and Aaron. This is not good, all right? This is bad. We've had all these years of history together. God's provided food. God's provided water. God's provided shelter. What's going on? They quarreled with Moses and they said, if only we died with our bro- when our brothers fell dead before the Lord. Why did you bring the Lord's community in the wilderness? That we and our livestock should die here. Why did you bring us up out of Egypt? to this terrible place. It has no grain or figs or grapevines or pomegranates, and there is no water to drink. Moses and Aaron went from the assembly to the entrance to the tent of the meeting, and they fell face down, and the glory of the Lord appeared to them. This is a short verse, verse 7 says, then the Lord said to Moses, now verse 8, take the staff, and you and your brother Aaron assemble the, uh, gather the assembly together, speak, Very carefully, circle that word, speak. Speak to the rock before their eyes, and it will pour out its water. You will bring water out of the rock for the community so they and their livestock can drink. Verse 9, so Moses took the staff from the Lord's presence just as he commanded him. And verse 10, he and Aaron gathered the assembly in front of the rock of Moses, and Moses said to them, listen, you what? Is he ticked? He's had it. Moses could be on the show called Snapped, okay? Listen, you rebels, must we bring you water out of this rock? This is interesting. 
First of all, he says, must we? Who's the we here? I mean, God's going to do it, right? It's not going to be the big M, the big Mo. It's going to be God. Let's just push pause. Leave that verse up there. Push pause for just a second. Everybody gets angry. Everybody has anger. We're going to talk about anger for just a couple minutes this morning. My goal today is not to resolve anything. My goal today is not to solve anything. You say, well, why are we here? This preacher is very smart. My goal today is to expose this potential blind spot in your life. I'm not going to resolve it today. I'm not going to solve it today. I just want to expose something in your life today. Now, everybody handles anger in about three different ways. Anger in, anger out, or anger management. I'm going to say that again. Every one of us in the rooms is one of three ways. Anger in, anger out, or we learn to have anger management. Everybody in the room. Now, some of you are anger out people, and you snap, and you yell, and you scream, and everybody knows when you're angry, right? Everybody can tell when you're angry. There's others of you in the room that you're anger in, and the anger comes inside. You're just as seething. You're just as mad. You're just as upset. You're just as sinful as the person who goes volcanic, but we can't see it. In fact, medically, it's almost better for you to go volcanic than it is for you to have anger in. That's not better on everybody else. Everybody else, you know, gets damaged and diseased by you. But, but anger in, anger out, or what? Our anger management. Everybody in the room has anger, and we deal with anger. Now, there's a lot of different good things about anger. There's some righteous anger. We're not talking about that today. That's a whole other topic. We're talking about you and not anybody else. Now, here's what else I want you to do. Be honest. So far in the message, have you thought about other people's anger, or have you thought about your anger? So far, have you been thinking about him and her and them? See, I I need you to think about you. Because if we don't get to you, this blind spot in you will never get exposed. So I need you to stop thinking about her and stop thinking about him and stop thinking about the people around you. And I need you to think about you. What do I do with anger? Well, here's what happens in verse 11. Verse 11, Moses, he raised his arm and he struck the rock twice with his staff. What was he supposed to do to the rock? He's supposed to speak to the rock. But what does he do? He's mad. He's angry. He has high, high expectations. It's been 37 years. This is now a do-over. We've got to do this whole thing over again. And by the way, you get angry with two different areas of your life. Number one, you get angry when there's a violation of expectations. And you get angry when your goals are blocked. Those are the two reasons why people get angry. You get angry when your goals are blocked. Someone blocks your goals. Someone impedes your goals. Or there's a violation of expectations. You expect this and you got this. You expected this in marriage, and you got this. You expected this from your kids, and you got this. You expected this from work, and you got this. Violation of goals, violation of expectations, or blockage of goals are the two reasons why we get angry. So Moses, he's got high expectations. For 37 years, he's been pumping up the people, trying to get them going with him and and having great faith. They run out of water. He raises his arm. 
He strikes the rock twice with his staff. Water gushes out, and the community and their livestock drank. Look at verse 12. But, anytime you see the word but like that, is that a good word? All right. But the Lord said to Moses and Aaron, because you didn't trust in me enough to honor me as holy in the sight of the Israelites, Moses, you will not bring this community into the land in which I'm going to give them. That seems pretty harsh to me. That seems like a pretty steep penalty. I think most of us could rationalize snapping, couldn't we? Or maybe I'm the only one that could. I, I, I can do it. I could see me snapping at this point after 37 years. Now, part of this is Moses stole some of God's glory, and you never steal God's glory, and you never get away with that. But regardless of this, Moses didn't have anger in, and he didn't have anger management. He had what? Anger out, and it became volcanic. Now, the next thing I want to do this morning, this sermon series is a tall order. Because if you don't do the hard introspective work, we're, we're wasting our time. And so what I'm going to do next, and this is going to be a little bit lengthy, but I got 75 causes of anger. I want you to write every one of them down. No, I'm just kidding. Just kidding. So I've got these on slides, and there's 75 different causes of anger. Now, again, some of you are anger in, and you've internalized it. And and for some reason in your family system or because of your personality, you've decided that it's better for you just to pull, pull it inside. You just hold it all inside. It's just all internalized. It's eating you alive, but, it, but it's inside. Others of you in the room, everybody knows when you're mad. Everybody knows when you get angry. I, you know, I'm one of those people. My family never has to wonder what I'm thinking. I tell them, okay? So here's 75 different causes, and I want you to spend some introspective time because if you don't, then we've wasted the next five or six minutes. That makes sense? So everybody in the room, here's the first one. 75 different causes. One of the main categories is sadness. Parents arguing, no one to play with, divorce, death. Parents are never home working long hours. I'm angry about that. Fear. Worry about having enough to eat. Worry about having housing, heat, water, sick parent, personal illness. Fear of being a victim. Fear of being a, a, a member, a, a, being a, fear of a family member being a victim of physical, emotional, or sexual abuse. Loved one performing a dangerous job. Worry about not having enough money to pay the bills. Fear. Frustration. Let's look at the next one. Guilt. Wow, let somebody down. Sexual abuse, victimization. Wow, I feel responsible. I hurt somebody. Didn't follow directions. Disappointment. I didn't get invited. I didn't get chosen. I didn't make the team. I didn't win the game. My grades, my parents, family plans, financial limitations, worry. Man, I just worry, worry, worry. I'm angry about worry. My basic needs, family, family, mental health, violence, uncertainty. 
Embarrassment. We often don't connect embarrassment with, with anger. In front of a peer group, physical looks, feeling stupid, worthless. Jealousy. Friendships, siblings, classmates, significant other, possessions, social status. I'm hurt. I'm just hurt. I've been abandoned. I'm not the favorite sibling. Break up a friendship, boyfriend, girlfriend, break up, peer betrayal, rejection, family betrayal. Anxiety, pressure, inconsistency, school performance, anxiety disorders, shame, low academic ability, inability to meet the expectation of others, abuse, substance abuse, just a little bit of shame going on in my life. See, our our goal today is to think about how can I be all that God's called me to be? How can I be the husband or wife? How can I be the student or the child? Or how can I be the single parent? How can I be all the things that God wants me to be? And so these are 75 major causes of people's anger. Now I want to take a test. Let's take a test today. I like these tests we've come up with. So here's a test, and I want you to fess up, be honest. We've already had communion, but I want you to be honest now, okay? So here's the first test. I get angry. This is you. I get angry when I'm driving and someone cuts in front of me. How many of you get angry with that? Okay. All right. Number two, someone in front of me drives too slowly. My daughter didn't raise her hand. You need to raise your hand on that one. Yeah, that's right. Number three, I get in the car and the fuel gauge is on empty. How many of you, it makes you furious when somebody else has been driving the car? All right. Number, Number four, my parents argue or fight or the kids argue and fight. Number five, the kids are disrespectful. You feel they're disrespectful, okay? Number six, my spouse. Let's haul off on this one for a minute. Okay. We can go a lot of directions with this one. And I decided just to put dot, dot, dot and be really safe, okay? Because my 29th anniversary is next week, and I want to make it to 29 years, okay? But, but my spouse, it's a violation of expectations. Your expectations are here, and your spouse is here. It's a violation. Number seven, someone speaks unkindly, ignores me, makes fun of me. How many, that's an issue? How many that bothers you? Yeah. Should, should bother you. Number, number eight, we're out of milk. <laughs> How many of you poured that bowl of cereal, okay? And you go into, yeah, dude, that just honks me off, doesn't that you? Gosh. Num- number nine, someone else has the remote. That's a male thing. That's a fe- okay, a couple females raise the hand because of the males changing every time the commercials are on, right? All right, number nine, number 10, the Rays blow a five-run lead in the ninth. Hey, by the way, how about those Rays right now, huh? Huh? Woo! Man, that's just awesome. We're doing good. I'm in the Bahamas last week watching the Red, David Price when it gets Boston. Everybody else is doing something else. I'm just glued to the TV. It was a great, a great game. Well, um, oftentimes we, we try to justify our anger. 
We try to justify it. I got another little, little cartoon or a little picture I wanted to show you. Uh, look at the next one. I wouldn't have to manage my anger if people would manage their stupidity. <laughs> no, you weren't supposed to clap at that point. That, that's a blind spot, okay? I'm sorry. Will Rogers, Will Rogers had a great little quote. Will Rogers said this. He said, people who fly into rage always make a bad landing. I think that's really true, isn't it? Well, let's talk about six steps to freedom. I've got six steps for you. If you want to fill these in the bulletin, I think these are very important. This is now the steps to freedom. How do I not have anger in? How do I not have anger out? How do I manage? How do I manage the anger in my life? All right, here we go. Number one, I think we're to examine ourselves. Here's interesting about this. I'm going to quote a verse that we always quote during communion. It's a great verse, but I don't think it applies just to communion. So to examine ourselves, 1 Corinthians chapter 11, verse 28 says, everyone ought to examine themselves before they eat of the bread and drink of the cup. So that's the context. The context is the Lord's Supper. But I think that verse applies to all of us. I need to examine myself. Of those 75 causes of anger, have I not, have I not dealt with one or two of them? Are there some things in my past that I haven't quite come to grips with that just like push a nerve within me? Examine ourselves. And I got a little picture here. Look at this picture. I love this picture. Anger management. <laughs> when, ang- when angry with someone, it helps to sit down and think about the problem. Isn't that cute? Just glad they're not mine. Number two, God isn't impressed. When it comes to the subject of anger, God isn't impressed with your anger. You may be impressed with your anger. You may be impressed that you stand up for your rights and nobody pushes me around. But I'm just going to let you know, God, God isn't impressed. Here's what God says. James 1, my dear brothers and sisters, take note of this. Everyone should be quick to listen, slow to speak, slow to become angry, because, God, because human anger does not produce the righteousness that God desires. Number three, this is going to seem like a weird statement, but this is keep the main thing the main thing. And I want to explain that. You see, these are things we have to remember. In order for you and I to manage our anger, we have to remember to examine ourselves. We have to remember that God isn't impressed with our anger. We have to remember that we have to keep the main thing the main thing. Galatians chapter 6 verse 14 is the main thing. May I never boast except in the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ, through which the world has been crucified to me and to the world. Now just hold on for a second. Look at this verse. If you're going to brag about something in life, you brag about the cross. The cross puts everything in perspective. In fact, Paul is saying, this is what I brag in. This is what I brag about. I don't brag about how much money I make. I don't brag about, you know, where I live or what I drive. I don't bra- brag about where I go. I, don't bra- I brag about the cross. Now, why would Paul brag about the cross, and how does that help you with anger? Because the cross puts everything in your life in perspective. Because of the cross, you've been redeemed. Because of the cross, you've been restored. Because of the cross, you've got removal of shame and removal of fear. Everything in your life has changed 
because of the cross. And so when you and I keep the main thing, the main thing, we recognize because of the cross of Jesus Christ, I'm a new creation. I'm a new person. I'm a new woman. I'm a new man. Everything gets put in perspective. Number four, in Christ, I don't have any excuses. Well, I was just brought up this way. Everybody in the family was just angry. My dad yelled. My granddad yelled. My grandmother yelled. My sister yelled. And we, I came from a family of yellers. Well, maybe, no, I, I don't have any excuses. Well, <clears throat> everything was quiet in my family. Nobody said anything. Nobody did anything. It was all quiet. <clears throat> I don't have any excuses. Look at the verse. And we all who with unveiled faces contemplate the Lord's glory, we're being transformed because of Jesus Christ in your life you're not the same. You and I don't have any excuses. Man, I'd love to come up with a dozen, but I don't have any because of Christ. I'm being transformed into his image with ever-increasing glory, which comes from the Lord. Number five, I'm a builder, not a destroyer. See, I build. I build. I don't destroy. Look at the verse that goes with this. It's a great verse. But if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another, and the blood of Jesus, his son, purifies us from all sin. 1 John chapter 1, verse 7 and 8. And the last one is, is I, I really, I got to remember this. I got to remember that I don't want fairness. I got to remember I want grace. None of us in this room want what's fair. You don't want what's fair from God. You want what's fair from God? You'll be like Moses. You don't get to go in the promised land because you struck the rock. None of us in the room want what's fair. All of us in this room, we want grace, a gift we haven't earned, a gift we don't deserve. Look at the verse, Ephesians 2. It's by grace you've been saved through faith. And this is not from yourselves. It is the gift of God. Now, I just want to close with, with this. Because I think it's really interesting what Jesus got angry about. I think it's fascinating what Jesus did not get angry over. As you look through Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, you begin to see Jesus did not get angry over people's behavior. He didn't get angry. When the woman caught in the act of adultery was brought to him, he said, where are your accusers? I don't accuse you either. Don't do this again, but don't, I don't accuse you. Go and sin no more. He didn't get angry when the rich young ruler walked away from him. The rich young ruler walks away from the Son of God. And, and Jesus uses this as a life lesson. How hard it is for the rich to enter the kingdom of God. It's easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle. And Jesus gives him a life. He doesn't get angry at people's behavior. You look through the scriptures and you see Jesus doesn't get angry at what people believe. People disagreed with Christ. He didn't get angry. He didn't get angry with the woman from Samaria. When the woman from Samaria said, well, you know, we Samaritans, we believe that you should worship over here on this mountain. And you Jews believe you should worship on this mountain. And she said, well, I know a day is coming when the Messiah will tell us all these things. Jesus isn't rattled because she disagreed with him. He said, I who speak to you am he, and it changed her life. When Nicodemus came at night, and Nicodemus is trying to understand, are you really the real deal? And Jesus starts then talking about being born again. 
And Nicodemus is going, how in the world can a six foot two, 240 pound man go back in his mother's womb and be born again? And Jesus goes, you don't get it. You don't get it, Nick. You don't get it. You're lost. Jesus did not get angry with how people behaved or what people believed. What Jesus got angry with is when people blocked somebody else from coming to the Father. And so they set up in this court of Gentiles this fair. They're selling turtle doves and pigeons and exchanging money. That wasn't the problem. They've always done that. They always did that outside the temple. They're doing this in the court of Gentiles, which is the only place where the Gentiles could pray. And this fired up Jesus so much because people were blocking other people from coming to the Father. And so Jesus takes a cord and makes a whip and he overturns these tables. And man, he got, he got fired up, didn't he? Everybody knew Jesus was ticked. And he says, my house is called a house of prayer. And he talks to the Pharisees. And there's chapters and chapters and chapters, especially in the Gospel of Matthew, where he says, woe to you and woe to you. And he's fired up because they were adding burdens. And Jesus said, my yoke is easy and my burdens are light. Don't put all these stipulations and hoops and all these jumps that people have to get to come to me. I am the way, the truth, and the life. Nobody comes to my dad except through me. This is real simple. Keep it simple. Jesus got angry. He did get angry. But I don't see him getting angry over what people believed. I don't see him get angry over how people behaved. I see him get angry when they blocked. They blocked someone else from having this incredible relationship with God through him. And so today, I think you and I have to be really careful with our anger. It can be anger in, it can be anger out. And both of those can be very devastating because it can block our neighbors. It can block our coworkers. It can block me at Publix on a Sunday afternoon. The lady in front of me with 25 items who comes to this church, I guess, every Sunday. You and I got to be really careful. And so why are we spending 30 minutes on this kind of a blind spot? Because how you act and how you respond, whether it's anger in, which is really just as bad, or, or anger out, we have to remember, wow, man, I got to examine myself. And that's what we do every time we come to communion. I love the fact that this church has the Lord's Supper every Sunday. Every Sunday during communion, we examine ourselves. We have to remember that God isn't impressed with our anger. We have to remember that if we can just keep the main thing, the main thing, and that is the cross. The cross has changed everything in my life. I don't have excuses. I got the power of the Holy Spirit at work in my life. Now, I may have a whole bunch of background junk. I may have a whole bunch of childhood trauma. I may have a whole bunch of things that in the world I could have excuses, but in Christ you and I don't have any excuses in Christ. I'm a builder. I'm a builder. I'm not a destroyer. And, and I live under amazing grace. I get to live under grace. And it changes everything about me. And it changes everything about you forever, forever.
So this morning, as we close out our service, I'm going to just ask you, first of all, to stand with me and let our prayer partners come down front. As our prayer partners come down front, I I want to give you a couple chances today. Number one, there's nothing today that's blocking you from giving your life to Jesus. Jesus said, my yoke is easy and my burden is light. That there's nothing today that's keeping you. You don't behave well enough. You don't believe enough. There's nothing today that's going to keep you from Christ. He is the Messiah, the Savior, the sinless Son of God who rose from the dead. And so today, if you'd like to give your life to Jesus, there's nothing more important than that. And we have our prayer partners down front that will be willing to work with you and help you. And just a simple prayer that I acknowledge you, Jesus. I acknowledge you. I bet for most of us in this room, we need to process this message. I'm not trying to solve anything today. I'm not sure that I can resolve anything today. I'm just trying to expose this today. That it's something for you and for me to really be able to remember and progress and progress and progress and progress, hopefully all the days of our life. So our prayer partners are available today. And maybe you're a stuffer and you've stuffed and you stuffed and you stuffed a lot of stuff. Okay? And maybe you need some prayer this morning. I'm a stuffer. I need some help with this. Maybe you're volcanic. Maybe you're somewhere in between. Maybe you're confused. After 30 minutes of this message, you're more confused now than you've ever been. I am the great communicator. Thank you. (laughs) And you need somebody down here to pray with you and to pray over you and just to pray for you to help you to go forward. Let Let me pray for us and I'll close out this service. Blind spots. Father God, we thank you for this story in Moses, Numbers. And we thank you, God, for your Holy Spirit. And Jesus, we're most impressed with what you did for us by going to the cross. You didn't get angry. You willingly laid down your life for us. And so today, if there are men and women and young women and young men in this room that have never given their lives to you, may they do so today. May they come forward to a prayer partner and just say, I think I'm not a Christian. I want to become a Christian. Just let people willingly come to you. I would also ask, Father, that you move people to come down forward just to be prayed for and prayed over so that we can be free from this and walk in power and persuasion. Jesus, we're going to boast about the cross. Wow, are we going to boast about the cross. And we thank you for that. Now help us to have a great witness and not to block other people from seeing you. In the wonderful name of Jesus, we pray. Amen.